Twisted stars that plotted lines, the faulty map that brought Columbus to New York. Betwixt between the east and west, who calls on her wearing a leather vest. Hey, and welcome everyone to that record got me high. That is Barry Stock. Chris Robbins is here. Is used and to we are here. This is part two, side B, episode fifteen of Lou Reed's New York. New York. Yes, but this is our first split up episode. But we really had to. Yeah, there's no way to cover all of this album in a. The way that does it justice. That does it justice. And you got to do it justice because it is a monumental um, piece. Uh, it's about New York. And uh, like I was saying in the last episode, I'm, I'm from New York. I grew up in Bayside, Queens. But this isn't the New York I, right. I knew. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, my family moved us down here in the late 70s. But in 1991, I was back up there. I was in a band called The Holy Terrors. And we played uh, at a place called... Kenny's Castaways in uh, in New York, and it was still the me- in '91. It was still like the mean streets of New York. Sure, uh, we were staying at the CD place in Times Square. In Times Square, there were still like drug dealers on the corners, oh, yeah. prostitutes. There was. We went with this other band called Quit, yeah. which is another local band friends, and they were shout young. out to uh, Russell Mosky. Shout out, but well, Russell Mosky was out of the band by then. Oh, he was going take to it back. He, Well, we could shout out to Russell anyway, sure, but he was okay. going to he was going to music school already. So it was the other three guys and Quit. He went to music school. He. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, and and I remember we we were walking around and it was it was like scary. It was kind of scary walking yeah, around because it was the mean yes, yeah, CD. And we went back to the hotel and then the Quit Boys came back much later and they said there was a live sex show. Yeah, <laughs> when they were like they, tourists and they yeah. had to go to this live. That's, but uh, they had those. Yeah, they had those. Times then. Square. Yeah, Times Square. So it's not the, if you go to New York now, it's just not like that Tame. anymore. And uh, I right. mean, I'm sure that you can get in trouble. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. If you go too far off the beaten path, but right, but, tr- but yeah, yeah. But this was so. But but the New York that Lou was talking about is the uh, New York of the '80s. Yeah, and. Um, we come in the record. We're at song number six now, which is the last great American whale. Yeah, and um, it's a fable, right? About, right. About uh, is, is is it a whale or is it is it's a, it's a symbolic animal? He's using it. Yeah, he's using it as a symbol. It's a parable. It's like a parable uh, using the imagery of a mythical, like a a great whale, like a, like Moby Dick. Or it's a gigantic, you know, this gigantic animal that's right, uh, right, and and uh, sort of uh, and sort of about uh, how the how the beauty of of nature and the beauty of this will is inevitably destroyed yeah. by uh, <laughs> by society. some local yokel member of the NRA. Oh yeah, right. There are the NRAs in the song. Kept that's a right. bazooka in his living room and thinking he had the chief in his sight. There's a there's some a Native American imagery it, right, in right. the song. Yes, yes. Blew the whale's brains out with a lead harpoon. Um, well, Americans don't care for much of anything. Land and water, the least. And animal life is low on the totem pole, with human life not worth much more than infected yeast. <laughs> so um, he's... Uh, they. And, he he paints this picture of this majestic animal. Some say they saw him at the Great Lakes. Some say they saw him off of Florida. My mother said she saw him in Chinatown. But you can't always trust your mother. I love that. <laughs> I love that line. You can't always trust your mother. Lou, I'll tell you right now, Lou, and he, as a fellow Jewish boy, <laughs> uh, like many Jewish boys, Lou had a complicated relationship Ooh, with his yeah, mother. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but the way he throws that line out is really priceless. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and a, psych, a lot of psychotherapy I think went into Lou uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. And you end up so, talking about your mother in psychotherapy for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So he's calling out the ugly Americans in this, That's right. uh, Ameri- we, uh, <laughs> and uh, he says Americans don't care too much for beauty. They'll sh- shit in a river, dump battery <laughs> acid in, in a stream. stream. They'll watch dead rats wash up on the beach and they complain, complain if, if they, they can't, can't swim. swim. It's. Um, <laughs> He yeah he doesn't he, this is an unflattering portrait of our 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 fair city as it, it is, were it is and oh and this is also a song that 
Moe Tucker, one of the two songs yeah, that uh, she plays Mo Tucker some, like, plays she on. She plays this. some. Uh, she plays some. Some floor tom. Some. You know, it's it's pretty spare. What but she had spare, to but the feel it really fits. Her playing on this fits the mood of the song, yeah. which is somber. It's very somber, and he's sort of reading it almost like he's reading like a parable or a, or a tale. Right. And the music is just sort of in the background. Yeah. And uh, again, he he you know he respected that about her that uh, that he said like no well, one sounds like Mo. Yeah, we were after we um, recorded that EP, which I talked about in yes, in, 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 in the, the last, last episode, episode, if you reference Barry yeah, did play with uh, Maureen Tucker in the yeah 80s. played with Tucker, and then um, we went up to New York and we recorded. Um, we played at Maxwell's and we played in DC at the 930 Club. And then we played at Maxwell's. After we played at Maxwell's, we recorded at uh, Noise New York Studios, which is uh, which was run by our uh, now local buddy uh, Kramer of Shimmy Disc. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, that's where I met Kramer. And Half Japanese also recorded there. <laughs> I played guitar on some Half Japanese songs that ended up on an album, and I'm credited uh, as Fred Frith. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So, Are you serious? Uh, yeah. And uh, um, we we have lawyer friends. Let's get let's get someone. How on much this. money are you gonna get? It, it, I've already Japanese been over that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, right. It's a sandwich worth of money. <laughs> right? A sub sandwich. Right. Um, so anyway, but I did play bass uh, on one track on the Maureen Tucker album. And it's uh, Lou came in and actually uh, played some guitar on the record as well. Oh, nice! No, but I wasn't there for that. And so. this was uh, before this this record. This oh, was yeah, like in the mid eighties. But uh, apparently, that Lou took some uh, cues from Mo's uh, spare recordings and uh, thought that that would be a good direction for him to go in. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because this but was. I, I never. I never. Was, I was never in the same room with Lou Reed. Uh, so. But you, but you kind of, you almost were. Almost, yeah. it was very close, <laughs> very, very close. close. I would have said something stupid, and he would have said, <laughs> "Fuck you, pal." All right, in the song, uh, the end of the song, he says, uh, "Stick a fuck." Uh, oh yeah, a fork well, in their says, ass and turn them over. They're yeah, it's done. Like what my painter friend Donald said to me: "Stick a fork in their ass and turn them over. They're done." Well, I'd say this week. The barbecue has been on. We're on the Seven Eleven, the little hot dog spinning. Thing. Oh right, right, <laughs> yeah, it's, absolutely. That, we're now that greasy little burnt up hot dog. But did you read where he got that quote no, from? Though, uh-uh. oh, this is this is hysterical because I will tell you this now, and you will not believe it. But he got it from John Mellencamp. Really? And he's yes, and he's listed as saying it. But why he says my painter friend Donald when he's saying because he specifically says he said. I'd never heard the expression before. He, uh, uh, I heard John Mellencamp say, uh, "Stick a fork, stick in, a fork in my ass, turn me over, I'm done." <laughs> and he said, "I wrote, I heard that, and it was like a very uh, Midwest type thing." He said, "I'm going to write that down," and then uh, it, he changed it a little. I'm going to gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the origin of that story back a lot further. Well, wait. I, I just got to say one thing you real quick, it, though, it, because okay, uh, so he did. He did mention that he got it from Mellencamp. So Mellencamp is quoted. He he uh, he heard that on hearing the album. Mellencamp said, "Yeah, it sounds like it was re- produced by an eighth grader, uh, <laughs> but it's good. But uh, but I kind of like it." Right? Yeah, <laughs> Mellencamp's records. Yeah, I mean John Mellencamp is actually a great songwriter, and uh, he is. But it, he's he's almost in a way you could say he's like a, a Midwest version of Lou Reed in yeah, a way. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were so, you going to say? Okay, the, the stick a fork in my ass, I'm done. Actually, comes from a, a, a story about during the Inquisition, the Spanish Inquisition. They had a priest, um, and they had him on the a a rack over a fire, and <laughs> he said something along the lines of. I'm done now. Turn me over, and he died. Oh, geez! Yeah. So that story goes back. Uh, nice. Um, there's a there's a real life human involved in that story. Right, right. Awesome. Those are great guys. The Inquisition. Those are really those are fantastic characters. They yeah, were, yeah. They were really uh, <laughs> fun really stuff. Fun stuff. Just like the <laughs> Python skit. Yeah. All right, we got the beginning of a great adventure. When the yeah. Baby comes <laughs> this, house, this. Lou sort of casting his versions on his own. Or it's a uh, boy. I, you know, he talked because he, um, 
he talks on a live version about like like why, why I shouldn't have kids or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, which he he never did. Luke no. Never had children. No. And sort of if you listen to this song, you will say, ah, it's probably good he didn't have children. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 a not a terrible idea to No, but but also, but you know what? That's fine because not everyone should have kids. True, not everyone's yeah. cut out. And no. he I think you know, he was a smart enough man to decide, nah, you know, the, it's not for not me. From, it's not for me, exactly. And he sort of but this you could tell because uh, he actually mentions his wife Sylvia in yeah. the song. So and then uh, there is speculation that part of the reason that their marriage ended was because she, she wanted, wanted to have children. A kid yeah, he, she wanted yeah, children. He, he wasn't into, interested. Wasn't into it. But the song it has a very bluesy, swingy, uh, swingy feel to it. And he's pondering. It does, yes. And he's pondering kids. He said it might be fun to have a kid that I could kick around. <laughs> a little me to fill up with my thoughts. A little me. He or she to fill up with my dreams, a way of saying life's, life's not, a, not loss. a loss. Yeah, I mean, I Lou mean, had, there was a spiritual side to Lou, but there was also a sort of exi- so, ex- existential side yeah. to Lou. Um, that's so, so cynical. That's such a cynical, you know, uh, idea about parenthood, though. You know, sort of. But but there, yeah. he's not totally wrong, though. He's like, we have well, kids. So, yeah, yeah, we do. We yeah. both have kids, and we've. Uh, Filled them up as much as we could with our thought, with our thoughts and yeah, dreams. Right. Here's and, my uh, junk. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I, right. got, I have extra junk. Here you go. Well, they have to take the good with the bad. You know, right. They got <laughs> to get it all. Yeah. Um, why stop at one? <laughs> oh yeah, this is great. I love this. Go ahead. I might have ten. A regular TV brood. I'd breed a little liberal army in the woods, just like those redneck lunatics I see at the local bar. And this is, boy. Uh, let me get to my next page of lyrics. With their <clears throat> tribe of mutant inbred piglets with cloven hooves. So, I guess Lou's been to Walmart. Right. Well, he's saying, so if these redneck yokos are having all these kids, I maybe I should have some kids just to, just to keep things sort of even, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to homeschool kids everywhere. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, I'll teach them how to plant a bomb, how to plant a bomb, start a fire, play guitar. <laughs> if they catch a hunter... Shoot him in the nuts. I'd try to be as progressive as I could possibly be <laughs> as long as I don't have to try too much. <laughs> right. Lou's brutally honest as usual. Yeah. And, and then he like lists names. He lists potential names, oh, right. which is, is great. He's got yeah. Susie, Jesus, yeah. Bogart, Sam, Leslie, Jill, and Jeff. Bono's in there. He's got Bono in there. He's got Lucy and Ethel. Um, b- right. B- Bunny. <laughs> Reg and Tom. Yeah. <laughs> and There's a lot, said, of, a lot of names to, to try not to forget <laughs> and then there's more oh my god carrie marlin mo and steve jerry lee eggplant, eggplant. <laughs> rufus dummy dummy <laughs> yeah i always said that my, my dog the glob my dog thinks its name is god damn it <laughs> i need he says i need a damn computer to keep track of all these names yeah i hope this baby thing don't go too far. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you could get Lou. He's really explaining that he does not want kids. I hope it's true what my wife said to me. She says, baby, it's the beginning of a great adventure. Yeah. Which is, I'm thinking this is probably, she probably said this to him. She probably said, yeah, that might it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be a great adventure. I'm going to say that maybe the divorce attorney got a copy of these lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Some <laughs> gibbering old fool sitting all alone, dribbling on his shirt. Some senile old fart playing, playing in, in the dirt. dirt. <laughs> it may be fun to have a kid I could pass something on to. Something better than rage, panic, anger, and Pain. Hurt. Rage, pain, pain anger. Anic- oh, pain. Sorry. As, no one can see this, but Rob has noticed that I, my, the lyrics, I'm cheap, and I try to get it on four pages. I so I had to reduce the font They're size. Tiny. And now I have to put on both pairs of my glasses to see the fucking words <laughs> he to this song. He does, yes. So yeah, I make instead big... of panic, it's pain. But I'm going to say panic would fit in there just as well. It would, it would. But that's, uh, you know, that's uh, that's sort of telling there. Because he said it might be have to f- fun to have a kid to pass on something Other better. than. And then he's, yeah. so he's probably talking about his own parents. Like, that's oh, what they yeah, passed on course. to him. Yeah. Uh, and he still, you could tell he has... Resentment for his parents. He does. I mean, he really does. There's no way. And, and he's Lou, self-referencing in this one big time because yeah, yeah. she says, Lou, it's the beginning of a great adventure. Lou, 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 beginning of a great adventure. She says, babe, hope you call your lover boy, Sylvia, quite you, quite, quite you call your lover man. I don't even know. 
Yeah, what, what is he saying? Do you think is he saying... If you want to have kids, you, you better find yeah, someone else. else. You better be, yeah, right. get a lover boy to give you kids because I'm not giving you drop kids. Drop a dime on some other man because I'm not going to do it for you. Right, exactly. Which means exactly. Lou must have been pretty careful. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, his whole yeah, his whole life. I was shocked. I was thinking, nah, probably at some point yet, but no, no kids. Nobody. He let, when he died, he left his uh, whatever he had. He left to his mom, who was still alive, <laughs> yeah. and his... Lou grew up on Long Island. Yes, yes. So uh, classic Jewish New York upbringing. He grew up on Long Island. Right. He moved into the city and turned into... All, all uh, hell broke loose. All hell broke loose, <laughs> right. And now we get to a busload of faith. Yeah, uh, which, is not, which, is, which is another nihilistic uh, uh, um, reading of life where he says you can't count on anything so you gotta have a busload of faith to get by right and you can't have faith in uh, you can bet um, you can you you can depend on the worst always happening oh yeah this is a very Murphy's Law type song because that's what he's saying it's like whatever's gonna go wrong it's gonna go wrong and it's like you, you better have some faith or you're going to have to have a busload of faith. And you just can to get always by. depend on the bad things to happen, and you can't depend on you can't depend on the goodly hearted. The goodly hearted made lampshades and soap. So there's his Jewish. Uh, 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 he's referencing, of course, the concentration camps. Right, right, right. And uh, which is dark, which is kind of dark. <laughs> you can't depend on the sacrament. No father, no Holy Ghost. You can't depend on any churches unless there's real estate you want to buy. You can't depend on a lot of things. You need a busload of faith to get by. Right. So um, cynical, very very cynical view, obviously. Uh, <laughs> you can depend on cruelty, crudity of thought and sound. You can depend on the worst always happening. You need a busload of faith to get by. Um, you can't depend on God. Um, so... I was thinking about this song really hard and you know what is what faith in what or is it just this um belief that it's there's a good purpose here even if it's completely if there's nothing you can depend on it's almost like the buddhist thing where you're just in free fall there is nothing you can't grab onto anything there's nothing that's permanent. Right. There's nothing that 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 maintains its shape or its appearance over you know everything changes and and there's just there's literally nothing to depend on. Right. Right. And yeah, and he's, and he's You're going to need a busload of faith to get which by. Which I don't think I don't think he has. I don't think he's not uh, I don't I don't Maybe think he's, he's saying yeah, person. maybe he's saying you you you're not going there's maybe it's darker than I even interpreted it. That you're going to need a busload of faith to get by is basically like, fuck, fuck you, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have one. Yeah, because he, because yeah, he he didn't. Lou never didn't write much about religion. No. He, he did, it, even spirituality, he sort of gets into a little yeah, bit. Not more much. Schwartz, and you know, he was he was a uh, um, he he had a really a fascination and a, and a love for this poet. Delmore Schwartz, who uh, uh, I saw that I died saw in the early sixties, and uh, Lou believed that he had uh, communed with uh, Delmore Schwartz's spirit. Oh, really? Uh, I, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, or you know, I don't. I don't. People, people say, and people's ideas change over time. So, right. Well, I, you know, one thing that's hard with Lou, I, I also remember reading that he was notorious at one point early on with the Velvet Underground. He, an interviewer, uh, interviewed him, and then Andy Warhol said to him, "You didn't tell him the truth, did you?" And <laughs> Andy said, "He said because Lou, you could, you could tell them anything. anything. It doesn't matter." <laughs> Andy really understood the media and how it. Um, 
He did, and I and and Lou had a real respect. He uh, they had a falling out, a bit of a, a of falling course. out, but you could tell he he had a he he had a love for him, which definitely he sure did. He in ended fact, up making an uh, album with John Kell. Very shortly after this, very yeah, very soon he after he and this. John Kell, who hated each other, right, right. <laughs> who John? Because did you read actually? John Kell was called to be on this record. I didn't know that. Yeah, the the drummer, this poor twenty four year old guy drummer. Uh, supposedly, John uh, he he had uh, called John Kale and he said, "Would you, would you play on?" Lou? He made the drummer call Kale. Yes, would you? Lou would like you to play on some songs. He said, "Maureen is," and he said, "Maureen." He said, "What is this going to be a, a fucking Velvet's reunion or something?" Yeah. And that got him f- uh, flustered when he said that. When he said, "Well, no, like that," and then and then John Kale ended up just hanging up on him, yeah. and he did not play. Yeah, on and the they ended up doing a Velvet's reunion, and it, it was not all that. So. It was not, but the, but it was after uh, this record. Yeah, they did the sure. songs for Drella, songs for Drella, which, which is really is an, great. an amazing record. It really is, it is good. A, it's yeah, really, and it's, it's worth, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear uh, how these two guys, whose lives are forever it, altered by crossing paths with Andy, right, right, and, right. Uh, um, so, and this and this song. Do you feel like this song also? I feel like has a very we got to do a John Kell record now. Sister, oh, okay. All right. All right. That'll be your pick for definitely right. for sure because you're more of a fan. Yeah. This song, Bustle of Faith, I felt like has a Sister Ray feel to it. It's got that yeah, jammy, yeah. Jam- driving, velvet-ish, driving. Yeah, yeah, Sister Ray feel. It does. And I, and I read... But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to... Something I noticed about this record was that um, Lou sort of pulls out the... R&B elements of his music from this album and it seems to be intentionally going for a more straight rock and roll feel for these songs. Right. So there's less funkiness. There's almost no funkiness on this record. <laughs> right, right. These right. are pretty straight rock songs and I think maybe the intention was I've got to present these lyrics and I want these lyrics to be maybe taken, you know, seriously by a rock and roll audience. And not the rock, you know, the people who are used to hearing, you know, uh, uh, hey, babe, take a walk <laughs> on the wild side, which right. is definitely funky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So totally. Um, yeah, that's definitely the sound of that. And that vibe is definitely not. No. What's on this totally, record. To- here. This is a rock. This is a rock record of a particular um, of a particular stripe. And it's distinctively Lou Reed, but it's not his. Uh, it's not the Lou Reed of of uh, the seventies. Oh right, right, yes, yeah. right, right. This is the Lou Reed of the eighties, and um, this song also "Bustle of Faith." Remember, I said that the uh, the drummer had said that all most of the songs on this were done with the, yeah. the guitars first. Yeah, this song was actually done basically live, live in the studio. The drums, guitars, and the vocals were recorded at the same yeah. time, and they went back in the in the booth, and he heard it, and Lou said, "That's, That's it. it, we got it." And so all he had to do was add some bass to it, but it was just done live. That's in the funny because I I hadn't looked at this, but I had assumed that the record was mostly recorded live but yeah no right it's definitely got that feel but this is the only song that actually which was is like that pavement live. record we did where it, it sounds so live yeah right. and it turns out like oh no Isn't we it did great? We, yeah. if you're good enough at your craft you could uh, you yeah. could fool even idiots like us all right so we're gonna uh we're gonna like take you. a look <laughs> Don't don't lump me in with your that idiocy. <laughs> too late, Barry. Too yeah, late. You're yeah, lumped in with so. me. All right, we're gonna take a little break. Uh, this is part two of uh, Lou Reed's New York. We're gonna take a little break and come back with the backside of the record, and we will tell you why Lou is sick of you. He's sick of you. All right, we're coming down the home stretch of, right, of a record that's very that's uh, dense lyrically. Yes, it is, and, and philosophically. We had, we had to split it up into two episodes, and just just to let you give you a peek behind the curtains, <laughs> even though you're this is two weeks, so yeah, right. we split this up into weeks. I mean, yeah. we did it all in all one, in one night. go. So that's why if that's we sound right. exhausted, like emotionally yeah, or and physically exhausted, intoxicated. Yes, it's because of this. But now we're on song number nine, which is "Sick of You." That's right. There's a song. There's also a song. 
called Sick of You by A.A. and the Stooges, but, and I'm sure Lou knew about it, but he figured, eh, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, this, is a, this is a more light, this is probably the most lighthearted song, I would say, on, yeah. the, on the record. And he na- this is the one where he name checks a ton of, like, 80 people from the 80s. Oh, yeah. He's got Morton Downey in this one. He's got Trump, Oliver Northwood. But it, so it, in a way, it could sound date, a little dated because some of these names, like we said, uh, like we said before, the Morton Downey, you don't and hear some about. of them are still with us though. But he says in this, he says they ordained the Trumps, and then he got the mumps and died being traded at Mount Sinai. Uh, that if uh, your your voice to God's ear, Lou, <laughs> and my best friend Bill died from a poison pill some wired doctor prescribed for stress. Yes. My arms and legs are shrunk. The food all has lumps. They discovered some animal no one's ever seen. It was an inside trader eating a rubber tire after running over Rudy Giuliani. Uh, once again, your voice to God's ear. Yes, Lou. Sure. <laughs> how, cra- how crazy is that, though, that we those got a song? Fucking, those fucking guys are still alive. 1989. And making our lives miserable. Making our lives miserable. And Lou is dead. I wrote, after that, after this little section where they ordained the Trumps there, all I wrote on my notes was, holy shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, and I should mention that, um, so Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump are making our lives miserable, and Lou is dead, and uh, Rob is wearing a Ramon shirt, and I must mention that all of those guys are dead, too. I so know, I know what what happened. I All the know. good ones. Only the good. It's, only it's the like, good die uh, young. It said uh, El, um, Billy Joel. Billy Joel We're gonna have we to rely on Billy Joel. I guarantee you we will probably. I will just get this out of the way. We'll probably never do a Bill. Yeah, I, probably not gonna do it. There's Joel, a documentary right? on him that's really. Oh no, yeah, he's a sourpuss. Like what? Like wow. I mean, Lou is a sourpuss too. Lou was but, too. But Lou's jettisoned people just continuously. Right. Billy Joel sort of <laughs> led these guys on. <laughs> His original band, and and then one day he was like, um, "I got enough money now. Okay, fuck you. You're yeah. not get, you're not you're not getting on the plane." Oh, that that documentary. That's oh, horrible. Yeah, that is so not a good wanna, look. Not a good you, look for uh, Billy Joel. You want a Joel. sad? Yeah, no. Um, As right. if he cares. <laughs> right, he doesn't give a shit. Of course not. All right, so now we got song number ten. Is whole- Billy? If you want to call in. That's where our number is. <laughs> or you can or you can email us at uh, trgmh33 at gmail.com. Or on Facebook at That Record Got yes, Me High. I'm sure Billy, I'm sure. Someone will tell Billy and he'll be... Uh, Billy, Billy, you mean you're Billy, not going to do Billy. one of my records? What? 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 <laughs> All right. I'm sick of you. I'm so sick of you. Bye, bye, bye. This is Lou, the end of Sick of You. Uh, oh, and the, the music on Sick of You... I wrote down Lay Down Sally. It's very similar to oh, really? the Lay Down oh, okay. Sally by Eric Clapton. <laughs> and then I tried to go, because Clapton obviously didn't come up with that riff, because he didn't write anything. Right. Um, <laughs> but I was not able to reference it back to anything uh, earlier. Oh, okay, okay. I'll, if I figure it out, I'll bring it up next week. All right, cool. All right, so we got song number 10 is Hold On. And, yeah. and we're back, now we're back to the seedy streets New of New York. Yeah, that's right. There's, there's blacks with knives and whites with clubs fighting in Howard Beach. There's no such thing as human rights when you walk the New York streets. Cop was shot in the head by a 10-year-old kid named Buddha in Central Park last week. The fathers and daughters are lined up by the coffins by the statue of bigotry. Hey. And this, again, very uh, prescient uh, things because, you know, like we always say, the, the, the needle hasn't moved that much. No. From, from 1989 to now. No. Still, I mean, New York has changed. Right, right. New York, right, right. But as a society, the uh, statue of uh, a bigotry is still... Uh, is still there. that that phrase probably has more meaning now than it did then. Yeah, and there's two people in Eleanor Bumpers and Michael Stewart must have appreciated that there's a rampaging rage rising up like a plague of bloody vials washed up on the beach. I'll take more than the angels or Iron Mike Tyson. It'll take more than the angels and the right. guardian angels who if you don't that's an 80s thing yes. I, still around the gar- I I don't know they may be but yeah but it was yeah, a big was, deal yeah well because New York was such like a scary place yeah. and then there you were have to games. look it up we can't go into guardian angels it'll take more than the angels or Iron Mike Tyson to heal this bloody breach hey hey and Eleanor Bumples and Bumpers and Michael Stewart were both people who were shot by the cops in New York with you know basically unarmed right right and right. Uh, you know um, so uh, 
you got a black 38 and a gravity knife. You still have to ride the train. There's the smelly essence of New York down here, but you ain't no uh, Bernard, Bernard Getz. There's no mafia lawyer to fight in your corner for that 15 minutes of fame. All right, so Bernard, for people that don't know, Bernard, Bernard Getz became like sort of a yeah, the subway sort of shooter. like a, a cult hero for a while. The subway, he was the subway vigilante. And uh, in, this was in 1984. He shot four... Muggers. I mean, muggers. They they were kids that were basically on the train, asking him, to, yeah, asking trying, him, trying to get money, trying to and, steal his wallet uh, or whatever. And he said, "Here, here, I, I got your money yeah. right here." And he shot. Well, uh, gun, he shot him. He shot four of them, and uh, be- he became a media sensation. But it was it was sort of like because New Yorkers were were so. Uh, Fed up at this point with getting yeah. uh, with getting mugged right. and getting that, so he it sort was, of became. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was in New York in '87, and it was still. I mean, it was tough. It was. Yeah, I mean, riding the subway was like you know, yeah, okay, we're riding the subway. You better be on, you know, on, better, uh, right. on your keep guard. Your eyes peeled. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled. And it was so it was sort of a symbol for how dangerous New York had. I was had I was visiting New York. I had I had a Ampeg Big Stud bass that had no case. So I was I was holding just a bass with like oh, shit. <laughs> like the Ramones used to do that when they used to go. Do you ever yeah. see the pictures of them yeah. when they used to go on the subway with their the guitars? Subway with their guitars in, they have no fucking in, in case. A, a shopping bags. Yeah, right. I didn't have a ba- I didn't even a bag. <laughs> you didn't even have a shopping yeah, bag. That was a, it was a low budget trip. <laughs> anyway, all right. So now we go into Good Evening, Mr. Waltine. Okay, now this one, the music on this one sounds so familiar to me. And I can't figure out you could, really where it came from. I could, I'm trying to even remember. Think uh, of the music. It's, a, it's got this sort of. Um, mo- it's way more melodic than the uh, the music on the rest of the record. The rest of the record tends to be three or four chords right. that are an underpinning for the lyrics, basically. Right. This one actually has a melody that's played on the guitar. And well, this sort of reminded me of something that could have been on a Transformer. Uh, you know what they've got, like, those... I think yeah. it sort of reminded me... I forget maybe which one, like, maybe yeah. New York... Uh, the, New York... A story, or no, uh, wait, a New York conversation. Uh, maybe I, a yeah, New York telephone conversation. It did remind me something like that could have been on that. So maybe that's uh, that's what you're thinking of. But yeah, you're right. It's definitely got that. We more... should mention Kurt Waldheim was the um, was he the UN. He was an Austrian politician, right? He was a, a secretary general of UN during the 80s, right? And then it was later revealed, oh, he was also he was a, an, Nazi. a Nazi. <laughs> He was whoops. As a young man, he was oh, he, he was a young a, man. He was a Nazi. So uh, and he covered it up, obviously, to help his yeah. political career. So this is Lou the Jew, just like uh, the uh, what was the Ratzinger, the Pope before? Uh, yes, right, right. Which did, which um, he he does mention the the Pope in this, but, but this is that way before early, that, yeah, right? Yeah. But um, the Pope's the Catholic Church has a very sketchy history <laughs> oh, with uh, to say the least. Yes, they That's do. That's an and understatement, that, right? And so this is Lou. This is good Jewish boy Lou standing up yeah, against right. anti-Semitism, which is also very timely now. It it's, is, man. It's very timely. Well, Jesse Jackson made a a very uh, um, unfortunate comment for Jesse, which probably. Spoiled his relationship with the Jewish community yeah. permanently. He called New York Jaime Town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got to go to Jaime Town, and it, people are like, <sighs> "Yeah." And that, and and this, but but <laughs> because the Farrakhan comes up in this too. In right. the sixties, in the sixties, right. the civil rights movement, the J- Jews were heavily involved in the civil rights movement, exactly. and they marched with, uh, uh, marched with uh, uh, African Americans, right? And they were, and then. The uh, Farrakhan element appeared, and he demonized the demonized Jews. the Jews, which is crazy when you yeah. think about it. And this definitely, you could tell this rubbed Lou the wrong way because sure. he had, because obviously, like me, he had uh, he was older, so he for sure had relatives that were directly in the Holocaust or sure, affected by the course. Holocaust. And uh, specifically, I read we should, that... I don't think we've ever clarified that Rob is Jewish and yes. I'm... And Barry sh- should be Jewish. I'm married <laughs> He's I'm, married to a Jew. And Barry, I'm married for all in. intents of, yeah. and per- I always forget that Barry is not Jewish. But I married in many years ago. He did. So he's Jewish by... Uh, by proxy. Associate, guilt by association. Right, right. He would be sent to the camps <laughs> with me and Susan. No right yeah. question. It'd be like, you, no, no, you get it. He's a, Jewish enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Lou, uh, he had especially, he had an aunt, I forget her name, an aunt that he was very fond of that was in the Holocaust. And she was also very involved in uh, in um, uh, in the... 
civil rights movement because because who who else who Correct. besides Jews could, could sympathize, could sympathize like, we, with we, being, we were there right yeah. exactly and then so Farrakhan the fact totally to see these black thing. leaders making anti-Semitic uh, comments and everything does not uh, sit well and he says. All right, so what does he say here? He says, uh, Jesse, you say common ground. Does that include the PLO? Because he's talking about the Palestinian yeah, Labor right. uh, Organization, which is which is another thing at the time, which is crazy now because that's still something that's going it on is, right but, now. It uh, is, but uh, with uh, Arafat's long gone, so it's really, right, it's right. really Hamas and... and yeah, uh, and it's con- but it's still very controversial, but uh, sure. good on Lou for, t- for kind of <laughs> taking a stand and not being afraid. Of he course, says, yeah. It, it's a very topical song, and it's a, it has a. Um, it, 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 you mentioned it was there are things in it that people have probably forgotten. I mean, Jesse Jackson's an old man, right? Now. Right? Yeah, exactly. So exactly. they have forgotten about that he said those things and that that was an issue that he had sympathies with Arafat and the PLO. Right, right. And, um, he, and he keeps mentioning common ground. So he's like, does that common that ground, right? does, that, does include that include me? Us? He said, a sound that shakes. Oh, Jesse, you much watch the sound you make. A sound yeah. that quakes. There were fears that still reverberate. And the fears, yeah, the fears of uh, that's that's that uh, what happened then could in Nazi Germany could happen again, and it's sort of like the same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah the here same we thing go. Again. You want to, but this is timely. If I ran for president and once was a member of the Klan, wouldn't you call me on it the way I call you on Farrakhan? And he mis- he pronounces Farrakhan as right, Farrakhan. Farrakhan. And so wasn't, uh, a, wasn't Trump's, Donald Trump's was father, Trump's father, was, a father was a member of the Klan? Okay, there you right. go. Wow, look at that. Look at and Jeff Sessions is a member of the Klan. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Oh my God. All right. Just in case, if you haven't guessed me, and Gary, <laughs> yeah, right. me and Barry's yeah. political leanings yeah. at this point, then you know. But don't you know? Whatever. Consider where we're we're broadcasting from Broward County, Florida. Yeah. If so. you're a staunch conservative, that's fine. Probably you're it's welcome fine. to listen it's to fine. it. Yeah, you know. We'll stop. We'll stop. We'll talk about the music. But yeah, it's exactly. Lou Reed, and that's what he's talking <laughs> this about. This is Lou, and uh, Lou pulls no punches. And and the next song is so uplifting. Oh my God! At Christmas in. <laughs> February. February. This is like a, a this is like a a, a story, like a really like a yeah. sad story about a Vietnam, Vietnam vet. vet named Sam, and uh, and maybe do you think it could have been someone that he actually knew? You know, I don't know. There's um there's a song on uh, New Sensations about George, so I don't know if Lou knows these people. Maybe he does. I don't know. Right. I don't know if he s- circulated. It seemed like he knew a lot of people. Um, <laughs> right. And so right. maybe they became the subject of songs, or maybe it's just a, But this guy is, you know, he's. Uh, he, he paints a picture with this. In the opening verse, he says, Sam was lying in the jungle. Agent Orange spread against the sky like marmalade. Yeah. Hendrix played on some foreign jukebox. They were praying to be saved. Yeah. Um, Sammy was a short order cook in a short order black and blue collar town. Everybody worked the steel mill, but the steel mill got closed down. He thought if he joined the army, he'd have a future that was sound, like no Christmas in February. Sam staring at the Vietnam Wall, which was, that was a monument. When was right, that? right. It was, the, it was right. pretty new. Yeah. Oh, and that's, yeah, that's so, uh, you could just picture this guy standing at, at the, the Vietnam, Vietnam Wall. Wall. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while now that he's home. His wife and kid have left. He's unemployed. He's a re- reminder of the war that wasn't won. And the, and the thing that is really what he's discussing in this is something that's become a lot more well understood since 1989, and you know, almost 30 years since then, is PTSD. Right. Which right, is right. this guy is suffering from PTSD, and you know, maybe exposure to Agent Orange as well, um, and. He's not going to get better. He's just right, going to be. Right, that, right. That, that's just. It's and it's not his. It's not his fault. He's just. He got you know fucked up in Vietnam with chemicals and with uh, uh, seeing things and doing things. Right. And he didn't. There's nobody to help him. Um, like yes, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's pretty bleak. Yeah, it's bleak, and it's kind of a surprise. It's a really great song to be on the record, but it's kind of a surprising song because it kind of takes away. It is. It's a little, it is a little not New York. It's a little uh, right. more um, DC. 
you know, the guys at the wall. He's at the wall. But still, it could have been someone that he actually met or, you know, sure. met, yeah, you know right. talked to briefly in New York. You know, someone that moved yeah, back to New York. Yeah, those guys are, those Vietnam vets, you know, they're getting, they're getting older. They're getting right. real, a lot of them are. Uh, and the uh, music in this, in this is really pretty. It's very simple, somber, yeah. and it's got a really nice little, uh, little lead, uh, yeah. lead uh, break in it, uh, guitar break. That's Which leads us into the most anthemic anthemic song the most yes strident yes uh, this is a, this is a great angry song it is straw man straw man where you set up something that's fake as a as a uh, an enemy and then you can knock it down right right which, <laughs> which seems i i use that all the time oh, now the expression straw there's straw man this one's everywhere very, you look very very prescient yes or just it's just you know same shit different day at this point. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, but th- but this yeah this is definitely he says uh, we you have so much to you have so little to you who don't have anything, anything at, all. at all. We you have so much more than any one man does need, and who and you who don't have anything at all. So he's basically talking about like how much do you, how much do you need? How much does one man? Does it? anyone really need a billion dollar rocket? Right. Does right. anyone need a $60,000 car? Does anyone need another president or the sins of swagger? Part 6, 7, 8, and 9. Now, for those who don't remember, Jimmy Swaggart yes. was a TV preacher. Uh. Oh, Lord, I have sinned. <laughs> there was, yeah, that was the era of the TV evangelist at least yeah. that's one oh, thing you don't are, they're, they're still I guess around. They're around but yeah they're yeah, around they are. but they're mega church the mega church thing they're now they're more localized so they have these uh, huge okay. congregations and uh um swaggart actually jimmy uh was uh jimmy swaggart was Jer- is jerry lee lewis's first cousin and <laughs> oh really yes he is and they all eventually get caught doing <laughs> yeah and so cheating jimmy on their wives swaggart, was going to a hotel to visit a hooker, and um, he made a tearful. Yes, the tearful Jimmy Swaggart apology to his. Yes, yeah. he's a man. He's just a man. He's only human. Uh, and the famous and the line in this that Lou is: uh, Does anyone need to be told over and over? Spitting in the wind comes back at you twice as hard. Right. And so we see some of that um, in, in our our. Our fair city, as it were. Yes, yes. Today, uh, with uh, people who say things and then they have them come slap them right back in the face. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, okay. So this is Lou railing against the, you know, against greed and uh, and waste. But now this is the one. This is the song he's got. He says, uh, "Does anyone need another faulty shuttle blasting off to the moon, Venus, no, or Mars? Does anyone need another self righteous rock singer?" Whose nose, whose nose, he says, has led him straight to God. I think he's talking about Dylan here. Oh, could be. A self-righteous rock singer whose nose said he led him straight to God. Dylan had a Christian period in the 70s. And, uh, but then he, then he sort of bailed on that. Right, right. But the thing is, because it's been speculated that he's referring to Dylan, because as much as he's also said that he has... Admires Dylan as a songwriter. Yeah, he's also allegedly described Dylan as a uh, a pretentious kike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which you by know, the way, I could say I could say that pretentious kike. That, you're I allowed to say that, but I, he uh, but he did. So Lou Lou could be Lou is very complicated. Well, and his relationship with Dylan goes way back because there's an interview where Kale is talking about having. Uh, turned Lou against Bob Dylan. And oh, this really? Is in the '60s. <laughs> so, yeah, Bob Dylan. That what we, we, we something we haven't mentioned in the podcast, and we haven't done a Dylan record. Is that the specter of Bob Dylan hangs over every piece of music that we've talked about, right? In right. some manner, that he was. It's 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 impossible to overestimate. Is um, and I apologize to Rock because I'm sitting here wearing both of my pairs of glasses. Like an <laughs> idiot, because I can't see the r- lyrics because they're so fucking tiny on the page. I but, thought I was seeing uh, a double for a second. I'm glad no, you actually no, told me. My wife so. is how it's going to chortle at this point. But the Dylan's 
you know, Bob Dylan affected things so dramatically um, that, you know, if That's he's true. talking about Bob Dylan, it means that Bob Dylan had an effect on him and he's irritated by it. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, that's a really good point about Bob Dylan. And I, we've probably mentioned him, you know, in just about every episode or every Bob other Bob Dylan, episode, he's, so you're right. it's, it's... He does, uh, he is sort of, so, uh, um, looms over everything. And that we should, the chorus, straw man going straight to the devil, straw man going straight to hell, straw man going to the devil, straw man, straw man. Um, and he screamed. This is the one. Uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the songs on this are kind of like he keeps it kind of low key and he spits the words out. Nah, but this one, yeah. he he uh, he really and the goes live, for and it. The live version one. of this is they both, you know, basically turn on the distortion boxes. Yes. and it's a really powerful, uh, um, blistering rocker. And the thing about this record was it came out eighty nine. It took a few years before grunge, so right, this record right. just sort of is just sort of floating there in the in the nebulous ether of whatever 1989. Right, right, from the 80s because that was the uh, 1991 was when everything changed in music. Yeah, again. And, and then 90. Well, I think Nirvana was 92. Right. So it's actually a couple of years out. So it's just sort of in this place where you know this weird ne- you know nebulous area. And now we come to the final song of the record, and it's his little homage to Andy Warhol. Yeah. And it's called Dime Store Mystery. And this is, uh, this is the other song that... Um, Mo plays on Mo Tucker. Mo plays on Mo Tucker, which is fitting because it's kind of like... He says, he said, he says that this is a farewell to his friend because Andy had died um, yeah. a, little, uh, a little bit... When Danny uh, was terrified of hospitals, and he went in for some... Relatively minor surgery, as I recall, and he did not wake up. Right, and this song really, this also again, it's got the velvetish atmospheric yeah, uh, feel sure. to it, which is probably a big, uh, you know, has a lot to do with uh, Mo playing on it, and I'm sure that's what he was going for. Uh, but there's also a lot of religious imagery in the song. Yeah, and Jesus. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, a little bit of the last. Uh, a temptation of Christ. Uh, that was a in there. factor. Yes, yeah, Scorsese. Right? Know. Yeah. Because yeah. he says uh, he, he was lying banged and battered, skewered and bleeding, talking crippled on the cross. Was his mind reeling and heaving, hallucinating, fleeing? What a loss. Yeah, man. Uh, the things he hadn't touched or kissed his senses slowly stripped away. And this is where Lou, you know, gets real. Not, yeah, go ahead. Not like Buddha. Not like Vishnu, he wouldn't rise through him again. So this guy, you know, death is death. Right, right. There's not a, there's not a, uh, an afterlife. Um, and he does mention the last temptation. I find it easy uh, to believe that the, um, the might, that he might question his beliefs. The beginning of the last temptation, dime store mystery. So he's also saying that you know everybody, everybody has these same questions, and they're about as significant as a, a, a mystery novel that you would buy on the rack. At the, right, right, This right. is the good old days at the drugstore where you'd go and pick up a cheap book off the uh, <laughs> the, the spinning rack at the, the drugstore. Yep. Um, and uh, there's a funeral tomorrow at St. Patrick's. Uh, the bells will ring for you. Ah, what you must have been thinking when you realize the time had come for you. Boy, Lou really, he, he, he ends on a, a real, an up note, doesn't he? <laughs> but it's really, yeah, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And um, like we said earlier, they, he ended up doing a whole record sort of for uh, Andy yeah. Warhol with John Kell called Songs Song for Drilla, uh, which is, a, is fantastic. It's really good. And, and then his next record, which was around 93, was... Uh, Magic and Loss, right? Which is also all about, uh, you know, sort of uh, death. And it, he wrote it for a, a friend of his, some other, fr- another friend of his who right. uh, who died. And it's uh, really beautiful. So Lou definitely was getting. You could tell at the end of this record, he was getting like a little more spiritual minded and just uh, um, the last, uh, the last uh, verse in it is the duality of nature. Godly nature, human nature splits the soul. 
fully human, fully divine, and divided, the great immortal soul. Yeah. And it's like, when you think about it, he went from the beginning of this record, he's talking about... Uh, yeah, Romeo these characters, and Juliet. Yes, yeah. and these characters, these he's New York slowly, characters. He slowly distills it into this, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to go from talking about these just like coarse street characters to something very... Uh, which, whether it's sacred or not, depends on whether you believe in the sacred, but something very intimately human. Right, And it's something right. that, that people with who, you know people do think about uh in those um uh the dark night of the soul as they say exactly so that's it man that is lou reed's new york um we hope i hope we did it justice we did the record justice you know it's uh, difficult you should listen to it plus the like i said the 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 live version which you can get on you know you can listen to it on youtube and it's great they do the whole album live yes and uh uh sometimes live things have uh, uh um a vitality to them that, uh, and the, and especially the version of Straw Man is just, just superior. I would say that especially is superior, is superior to the to record the re- version. The su- it yeah, is, yeah. yeah, it is right. But um, yeah, it's just great. But the the record as a whole is just a great record of a great career. Uh, Lou Reed, uh, he's gone. So many uh, guys that we had done. We did. Uh, David Bowie, Lou Reed, uh, a lot of yeah, these and there's a well, there's a there's a famous picture of um, it's a Bowie and Lou Reed, and in between them is a a wasted grinning Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop, that's right. <laughs> and um, and Iggy's you would never look at that picture and go, oh, it's the guy in the middle that's going to be. Yeah, he's he's going to still be around, yeah. and you know, living in living in. Uh, Whatever. Down, oh, the, on, Iggy. down Iggy. the street from Russell Mofsky. Iggy, if you're listening to the thing, come. Uh, We'd we'll love guess. to have yeah, you. Yeah, we'll right? have you a guest. We'll talk about Not one, one of your records. records. Well, nah, we'll talk about something else. <laughs> right. we'll, we'll let you pick a record, okay? <laughs> exactly. All right. So All right. We're going to talk about uh, what we're going to do, uh, the next record we're going to do. Because I have oh, something in mind. Do you? Okay, yeah, yeah. Do, yeah, so. Yeah, because um, yeah, now this is going to be next week, so right. So <laughs> right. next week, what are we doing next week, yeah, Barry? Two weeks from now. <laughs> well, whatever, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Next week. I've been thinking of, I think uh, we should cover a, a Mott the Hoople album. Oh, excellent, excellent. And I think we're going to go for the one, because there's a lot of great Mott the Hoople records, but I think All the Young Dudes is the one that we should hit. And it's got a couple of uh, uh, covers on it. Uh, it's got All the Young Dudes, which is a David Bowie song. Right, and, right. Uh, um, so excellent, that's great. Uh, uh, Mata Hoople uh, is great. There's so many. When you read uh, other people that we like and admire, they'll invariably mention as a, as an influence, as an early influence, and someone they love. They will mention. Yeah. They will mention Ian Hunter and Mata Hoople. Yeah. So, and it's uh, got the song "Mama's Little Jewel" on it, which is one of the greatest unsung. I mean, because the record has all the young dudes on it, everybody's like. Right. <laughs> but if you go and listen to that record, Mama's Little Jewel is absolutely stunning. All right, awesome. So do your homework. Uh, next week we'll do Mama's Little Jewel. And uh, <laughs> this is uh, that record got me high. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. All right, guys. We'll see you next week.